Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Koro Vakauta. This week, Fiji looks to continue its traditional strong form at the Hong Kong Sevens. Tonga's fighting to make it back to the elite level, and a PNG player reaches new levels of competitive tennis. But first, Samoa's first Olympic medalist weightlifter Eli Opolongi has finally been presented with her silver medal from the Olympics weightlifting competition held in Beijing nearly nine years ago. She qualified for the medal after the silver and bronze winners in her event were disqualified for using drugs. The presentation ceremony was held in front of the government complex on Tuesday. Elia Polongi was also presented with a gift of over 15,000 US dollars raised through a special fund set up by the Samoa Observer newspaper. The government made no financial contribution. The Minister of Education, Sports and Culture, Luau Kinetisio, says the government's now reviewing its policy, which currently rewards only gold medalists at the Pacific, Commonwealth and Olympic Games. Opolongi thanked everyone who donated money to the newspaper fund, but admonished the government for underestimating her achievement. I feel so good and so happy to um, observe to a fund. But I don't know why the government brings some money for me. The first time ever, ever to an Olympics medal to Samoa. However, Opolongi was still overjoyed at finally getting her historic medal. My medal is just uh, my souvenir to my life. First time I got the medal, I get the medals in home. Uh, my children's look to my medals and my family. I thank to God that's the first time I got the Olympics medals. Samoa's Olympic silver medalist, Ele Opolongi. The Fiji 7 side is looking to win a third straight Hong Kong title this weekend. Fiji are third in the World Series standings after 6 of 10 rounds, 26 points behind runaway leaders South Africa. Their pool in Hong Kong includes Wales, Japan and old rivals New Zealand. Jasa Malua and Asaki Kotonimbao are back in the team and a move coach Gareth Baber says is geared to the future. Earlier he spoke to Vinnie Wiley. I'm looking not just for this tournament, the tournament's ahead as well and I'm looking at next year and how we can develop uh, some of the younger players, uh, there's some great talent in Fiji as well, which I'll be looking to put into the squads as we move through this year and into next year. And uh, part of that process is to have good quality around them to enable them to learn at the right time. Going to somewhere like Hong Kong, uh, some of our young players who are, have got great playing abilities but don't have the experience of the likes of Ice and Chasta. So having them around, having that experience, that leadership element as well. You know, they've been there before and they know the pressures that are going to come and the distractions that can be many and varied in Hong Kong, and um, we'll be looking to make sure that you know they keep everybody's mind on where they need to be, and mentally we're in the right state, obviously going into through the first Friday. Hong Kong, obviously a place you'd be more than familiar with uh, from your time there the last few years with the national side. Um, obviously a special place for Fiji as well. They are defending champions, and it is, I guess, the most famous sevens tournament in the world, so always a special occasion. Yes, absolutely. I mean, whether, you, whether you're coaching Hong Kong or coaching Fiji or you happen to be watching... Um, 
it's a hugely special place for rugby anyway. Um, and obviously the iconic uh, views that you get of the stadium and the atmosphere that's created there year on year is is something to be rivaled by all, all competitions around the world, be it rugby or any other sport. So it's a special event, it's a special place to go and play that. It's, uh, it's seen as almost the spiritual home of the team rugby in terms of the successes they've had there. And obviously my aim and my sole aim this next two weeks is to make sure that I can replicate that on the good work that's obviously been done uh, previous by, uh, by Fiji teams that have gone there and taken it. On a slightly different note, um, you know, here in New Zealand there's been a lot of talk about the future of our leg of the series in Wellington and whether that's sustainable and whether it might go somewhere else in the country or, or, or leave New Zealand. Um, having lived in Hong Kong and experienced that tournament, uh, which obviously endures year after year after year, what do you think is one of the key reasons behind that, aside from obviously the history? I think what I, think, I suppose what they've managed to do is, is capture, I suppose, the rugby community's imagination, but wider than that is probably engaged the business community as well. So it's a huge economic event in Hong Kong every year uh, when the seventh, seventh goes on. And, um, you know, I know that, you know, many multinational corporations and companies around the world fly people in for that. And it's a special occasion. Similar from my experience, just like the Six Nations, where fixed in the calendar, people built things around the calendar. Um, and obviously the tournament itself then lived up to those expectations and has grown year on year. And seventh tournaments where we go in the world because obviously establishing that against competition will be particularly difficult. Um, you know, I li- I'm obviously fortunate to go and play in Wellington and coach in Wellington in previous years and it was always you know, a, a top event. But I understand that you know, things change, competition comes in, it becomes difficult to, to replicate that. So, and, and that's happened around, along the, the World Seventh Series uh, over the years that I've been involved and, and for longer periods of time. So I think that the big thing is is obviously establishing it within the rugby community and then those economic ties uh, around the tournament itself, but then the tournament then delivering on that year on year, which is, I suppose, been the big uh, winner for Hong Kong and continues to be. In, in terms of the makeup of the crowd, I mean, how much of it's local and how much of it is tourist, do you know, roughly? Um, I, I wouldn't have exact figures for you, but um, there's a healthy split. Um, you get a lot of local interest, and there's huge movement in in Hong Kong to engage local community for you know lots of different reasons. But you do you get a very you know they get a lot of uh, I suppose foreigners coming in. Uh, you know it is that sort of world event if you like of of, of sevens rugby. Um, but equally so, you know the rugby community of Hong Kong supports it massively, and you do get a lot of obviously uh, local community as well, which is a big driver for Hong Kong itself and spreading the game in Hong Kong. Uh, and, it's, and it's growth, which has happened over the last sort of five to six years. And uh, just finally, Gareth, uh, obviously on the field, you've got New Zealand, Wales and Japan. Uh, New Zealand seem to be slowly building again and, and getting back to somewhere where they were maybe a little while ago. And Wales obviously chipped you over in Sydney and uh, Japan uh, over in Asia. Uh, what do you make of those uh, challenges? Yeah, they're all they're all individual challenges. I mean, um, you know, there's, there's always good games, good competitive games between ourselves and New Zealand. Um, which is, you know, obviously, as you, as you mentioned, they're always the teams seem to stack up well against each other. And, um, you know, obviously, if we keep our discipline, um, then you, you get to a position where it's a good seven on seven. Um, yeah, Wales was, you know, it will be a different proposition. They got uh, one or two key players, which very much make their game work. And I'm sure that they'll be looking forward to Hong Kong. Um, and you never take your pan lightly. I mean, obviously, proof of that was their development sort of in the Olympics uh, and how well they did there. And, Obviously, we've seen some good performances from them in the World Series so far, as almost mostly probably in Sydney. So um, nothing will be taken lightly. Uh, we'll do our homework. We'll make sure we get the details right. And obviously, for me, it's to make sure that we prepare mentally and, 
and are in the right frame to, to go and take those three cards three games. That's Fiji 7's coach Gareth Baber. Tonga and Papua New Guinea will also be playing in Hong Kong, albeit in the qualifiers, hoping to make it to next year's World Series. Tonga floundered in the qualifiers last year, losing to the likes of Morocco and Japan. Coach Taholo Anitoni told Vinnie Wiley the side's been struggling with player availability and experience. The team that went to Hong Kong last year, when we came back, some of them got their, their club overseas. So they went, and then I picked uh, my players to Morocco. And then when we came back, some players went overseas for their, for their clubs. So last uh, December, I took uh, a team to the Australia. So I picked new boys because most of the players, they went to their club. So from Fiji, only three left now well, to Hong Kong because some they got injured and some they are are coming to New Zealand and uh, some they're going to Europe for their for their clubs. When you say go to their clubs, you mean they've got professional contracts somewhere overseas? Yes, yes. I, I guess that's a challenging thing, isn't it? Um, you, you want players to earn those contracts and play well and, and, and be able to make a living from the sport, but uh, from your job and, and your perspective with the Sevens team, uh, it means you've constantly got to find new players. Yes, yes. That's the problem now. I have to to pick new players every tournament to to represent the country. But uh, it's a hard work to get them together and uh, try to teach them uh, some skills because uh, here in Tonga there's hardly any tournaments, seven tournaments here in Tonga. So I picked the players from 15 aside uh, tournament. You can see the the boys that they have the, the material of uh, can play seven. So trying to work with them. Now we we spend uh, almost two months now uh, with the boys. I think it, it's picking up their skills, especially uh, they have passing. They now they they can pass. Uh, give a long pass, short pass. I think about the. They're up to a level of uh, uh, 80% now. You mentioned there'd been a lot of changes in the squad. How many new caps, how many players in the team you've selected haven't played for Tonga before in sevens? Uh, I think it's about six new players. Some there are 20, 21. I think only five or six uh, they have been uh, played for for sevens. So last year in Hong Kong, you lost to Morocco and Japan. Uh, this year, you've got Germany, Uganda, and Jamaica in your group. I mean, o- obviously, you want to win the tournament, you want to qualify for the World Series. But uh, what's kind of the what's the main focus that you guys are, you know, in your preparations? Uh, what, what what would mean a successful tournament for Tonga? We've been uh, seeing the some of the games uh, that the Germany played uh, last year. So, uh, what I I saw that they're very strong in the in the uh, breakdown, better than what we we did last year. So I'm uh, working try to reduce the breakdown. So we try to to offload and let them run around because uh, I think they are their height is they got the height and also the the weight. So it will be 
very hard for my boys to contest in the in the rock. So we are working on on that one this time. So, but uh, we are trying to to get the small things outside the field. So because uh, uh, our local players, most of them that they think the rugby is only inside the field. So we are trying to catch up the small things outside, and uh, our our aim is to win. That's the Tongan Sevens coach Taholo Anitoni. Papua New Guinea tennis player Abigail Teddy Apisai is making waves in regional tennis, breaking into the world's top 400 for the first time. Her rise comes after recent success in Australia, making two quarterfinals out of five tournament appearances. Apisai says her success is pleasing given her slow start. But as it sort of went on, I sort of gained some confidence and sort of got into the groove of things and then um, started getting better. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy. You know, I set my goal, which was to qualify for the main draws and then make it to quarters or, or, or better. And anything after that is a bonus for me. But um, I was able to do um, that in two of the tournaments, which I'm pretty happy. And so you did you have to go through qualifying for all three of those events? The first two in Perth I had two, yes. And then the last three, I luckily, by then my ranking had dropped. So I got into main draw for the next three. So there was two in Perth and one in Mildura and two in Mornington. There's, there was also another one in Clare, but I didn't I didn't do that one. Okay, so you attended five, and two of them you had to qualify through to the main draw, and the other three you had automatic entry? Yes, correct. And so how many did you make the quarterfinals in? Two of them. And so so you're up to 386 in the world rankings. That must be the highest you've ever been. That is the highest I've ever been, yes, that's correct. And uh, and for yourself, that must does that feel like a big achievement? Is that is, Was that one of your goals, getting under 400, or have you got a bigger goal for the rest of the year? Oh, yeah. Um, listen, like... First of all, my goal was to make quarterfinals just so I could sort of, you know, breaking the points and then um, get my ranking down. But every new ranking that I get that's lower than before, it's it's an achievement in itself for me, which I'm happy about. But, yeah, I have the end goal of this year, which is to get under 350, even 300, but realistically 350, which I think hopefully is possible. Because for the Oceania Pacific sort of region, I mean that's pretty low, isn't it? It's pretty hard coming from some of those countries to to get that low. And I guess one of the challenges is is just getting to the events and and giving yourself the opportunity to earn those points. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's. I feel like that's one of the issues um, players in the Pacific are suffering with. It's not being able to have access to these tournaments and uh, due to you know financial reasons or whatever it is, but. Um, you know, I've had a lot of people that that have helped me along the way and have still continue to help me, which is um, I'm really thankful for. And I just hope to keep pushing and keep moving forward. Um, and hopefully it'll sort of inspire, you know, younger tennis players in the Pacific region to do the same. When you were at college in the States, were you able to enter ITF events as well or was that not allowed? No, we, we were actually allowed, um, but the thing was, Obviously, if you, however you did, and if you did earn money, we we weren't allowed to keep it. But I, my coach entered me for one while while I was in college. I played one that didn't go so well. But the most part of the my four years at Georgia State, I didn't play any. We did have the the opportunity and the option to try to play, but I just didn't. 
And so now that that's over and you're basing yourself in Australia now, I mean, is tennis your full-time job at the moment? Since I've graduated it's, and I've decided to move to Sydney for this, re- for this reason, I'd say it's pretty much what I'm doing. It's my job now, I guess. But I've been quite fortunate. My brother lives here in Sydney and I'm, I get to have accommodation and to be able to train with him because he's a coach as well. So I've been quite fortunate and... For in terms of my personal journey, so far it's been quite good and the transition hasn't been too bad um, from college into the pro level. And how busy does that keep you? Like how often are you on the road? How often are you getting tournaments? Oh, it can be quite hectic. But last year I didn't, I w- didn't have the chance to you know, travel out of Australia a lot. So basically I spent the first being, beginning of the year traveling around Australia and then literally had five or six months of no travel, just training in Sydney, and then the end of the year tournaments in Australia. Um, but this year, I'm looking to now travel overseas, of, like I said, to America or Asia, Europe. So that's going to be in itself a big change for me, I guess, with all the traveling. And from a representation point of view, there's obviously Pacific Mini Games this year. Uh, Port Moresby, of course, hosted the... Um, Pacific Games a couple of years ago. There's another one in Tonga coming up, and then there's the uh, the Fed Cup as well for Pacific Oceania, which I think is coming up too. Uh, are those events yep. that still interest you that you want to be a part of? Oh yeah, definitely. Anything that's where I'm I'm able to represent my country, it's always on the list. But um, right now, you know, I've just got to sort of weigh out my options, I guess, because now that my rankings dropped, I can sort of get into more higher level tournaments like the 50, 50Ks and the qualities of 100Ks. So I just got to, you know, it just depends like on the timing of things. Like for instance, the, the mini games coming up in December and, you know, in, in December, there are, there's a lot of lead up tournaments for Australia. So I've just got to sort of just weigh out the pros and cons. It's Abigail Teddy Apisai speaking to Vinnie Wiley. And that's the world in sport. I'm Koro Vakauta from RNZ International. For more sports news and interviews, check out our website, rnzi.com, or look us up on Facebook and Twitter. For now, Modemanda. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.